Now the chat box is there. Okay. All right. So thanks everybody for coming. Um, my name is Susan Harris and I'm here with Emily Frydenberg today. I'm the educator in rural health, wellness, and safety for Nebraska Extension. And Emily is the rural rehab specialist for Easter Seals, Nebraska. And we'd also like to thank today um, Allflex for their sponsorship. So thank you very much for that. We have a lot to go over, so we're gonna get right into it. First of all, um, we want you to understand what agribility is. Um, the University of Nebraska-Lincoln and has extension offices all over the state with educators in a variety of specialties. Um, but we have partnered with Easter Seals Nebraska on this grant project through USDA that um, every year we keep continuing and it's all about um, helping people in farming continue to farm and ranch after they've had some kind of disabling condition. And um, it's all about offering advice on assistive technology, farm site modification, and we just want them to remain involved in ag uh, production. So we provide information and education to farmers and ranchers about anything that keeps them healthy and without injury. So uh, before we get started here, I, I just have to do this because we know it's a stressor that's on everyone's mind. And for that, we recommend that you practice these everyday preventative actions and do all the things that the CDC recommends. And those of us employed by the university are doing our part um, by not doing face-to-face -face, uh, teachings, but only doing these virtual types of teachings. And um, this is just the best way to handle things, one day at a time with the attitude that we can't change what's, what's happening, but we can do our part and just roll with it. And hey, what do you know, that's kind of a precursor to what we're gonna be talking about here. Also remember that our children look to us about how to react. So let's um, think about that. Before we get started, I would like you to, first of all, have a pen and paper available and feel free to type in that chat box at any time. I'm not great about monitoring it, but Emily is, so she will flag something. But for now, I'd like you to write on that piece of paper an answer to this question. My perfect day is blank. And of course, we'd all like to be lounging on a beach with our money tree and have no worries in the world, but that's not realistic. So think realistically. And while you write this, keep these things in mind, these five pillars of brain health. And take a look, are there any pillars that are your definite weak points? Any areas to work on in order to achieve that perfect day? I'd like you to just consider all these things as you're, you're writing your statement. And Emily has put those in the chat box, so as I move on, you, you can still work on that, and we'll get back to it later. So the agrarian imperative, this is the philosophy that as uh, rural Nebraskans in the ag industry, you probably possess this mindset that refers to that powerful connection that farmers and ranchers have with their land and their animals. And typically your values are stronger than most workers in other industries. You work hard, you, you have the ability to take care of things yourself. Um, you want to, you're a good steward of the land and you're proud of those things. So when you compare those values to other occupations, it can look quite a bit different. It's just much more personal. You know, you can't, you, you can't leave your workspace. You are always in it. So just knowing that you have these values makes your stress even more prominent because you care so much. 
Many stressors for farm and ranchers are chronic or ongoing, and many are stressors that those of us in other jobs don't even have to deal with. So these are typical stressors, but if you can think of any others, feel free to put them in the chat box. And I'm thinking there are plenty other, of other ones like isolation and having such a physical workload, uh, on and on and on. But the key to reducing your stress, as you will see as this common theme throughout the webinar, um, is just take care of you. And I know that a lot of you are hardcore workers, and that's great. Um, but maybe you're only thinking of those stressors as external things that are forces that are weighing you down, when really, um, if you take an honest look at how uh, some of the things that you do every day, there might be room to hold yourself accountable for creating your own change toward that perfect day that we talked about. And we're going to start with helping ourselves consider what we need, each of us personally. So um, life is going to throw you curveballs. We know that. You can either let that mess you up for a long time, or you can do your best to get yourself aligned again. Um, for example, you may have suffered through a crisis like that flooding, and you think you've rallied because you took care of everyone, you took care of your land, your animals, um, you know, you, you recovered somewhat from the situation, but you're basically just so busy surviving that you're not taking care of yourself. You might be only grabbing easy food, you know, that's not nutritious. You might not be getting enough sleep. You might not be socializing with people because you're just so busy working on things. So at this point, it might be good to allow yourself to recognize that you still need self-care in order to work the best and react the best to the stressors that are thrown at you. So are you living that life or do you need to take some steps to get there? Overall wellness, this is my definition of wellness based on several others that I put together. Um, I noticed something in this definition. It involves a lot of mental processes. You'll see the word conscious, self-directed, make choices and happy a lot of mental health related things. It's more than just eating and getting exercise. It's about financial well-being. It's about social connections, doing things we enjoy, and so much more. Many of us in rural areas have a really difficult time even saying the words mental health. And maybe you have images of someone in a straight jacket or, or someone with mental illness when those words come out. But guess what, mental health is brain health. It's a good thing. It's something that everyone should work on just as much as they work on their physical health. We all have mental health and we all have physical health. But what most people don't realize is how closely those two are connected. So you can have your blood test done and it can come back all rainbows and perfect. But if you're isolated and sad and lonely, are you really well? Are you healthy? No. So the first half of this webinar will be about taking care of our brains and what the state of our brains uh, does to our bodies. This is my favorite slide. Did you know that scientists have discovered a revolutionary new treatment that makes you live longer? It enhances your memory. It makes you more creative. It makes you look more attractive. It keeps you slim and lowers food cravings. It protects you from cancer and dementia. It wars off colds and the flu. It lowers your risk of heart attack and stroke, not to mention diabetes. You'll even feel happier, less depressed, and less anxious. It's free. Is anyone interested? 
Heck yeah. Who wouldn't be? If you saw this ad and it was going to be delivered to your doorstep, if you snapped your fingers, would you snap your fingers? Absolutely. So would you be surprised to know that you have it right there in your house already? It's something so simple. All statements in that previous slide are scientifically true. And sleep is the most underrated and underutilized health aid in our modern society. It is that magical cure for so many ailments. So think about how many hours of sleep you average or how many hours you had last night. Yeah, it's, it's scary, <laughs> right? Emily knows. So it can put you in the danger zone, honestly. The sleep is like this umbrella over so many things in our lives. And there's no such thing as catching up when you lose out. Um, each night that you lose that valuable sleep, you're depriving your body of this overnight cleaning crew that comes in and sweeps the toxins out of your brain. And then it goes into your organs and your muscles and it repairs all the damages that were done during the day. And it affects every single element of our lives. It can also, without it, put you in a danger zone. Um, executive function is a term used to measure brain damage. So dysfunction is losing that ability to perform basic everyday skills. And this slide is especially meaningful to those of you dealing with calving season right now. I know you're up for extended periods of time, um, barely getting any sleep. And I just want you to be aware that this can really put you in the danger zone when you are out there doing such physically demanding um, jobs that are already dangerous. So these numbers represent the level of sleep deprivation that give you the same tendencies you have when you're drunk. So being awake for almost 16 hours means you'll have a decline in your basic abilities. Being awake for 18 hours is like having a legal intoxication level of 0.05, which is the legal um, driving threshold in Utah, by the way. If you're awake for 21 hours, it's like having a level of 0.08, or like driving drunk in Nebraska. And if you pull an all-nighter, you are wasted. While some counties in Nebraska are struggling more than others, as you can see there, the lighter ones show um, those of us who are getting a little more sleep, but um, still about one out of every four people are sleeping fewer than seven hours per night in Nebraska. And on adult, or on adult, on average, adults are sleeping an hour to an hour and a half less every night than they did 50 years ago. That statistic just astounds me. I think that's huge. Um, children are sleeping two hours less than they did 100 years ago. That's even more astounding. Um, what's interesting about this map is that if you went to the CDC's website and you looked at their obesity map and then you did an overlay onto this map, you'd find that they are virtually the same. So sleep deprivation, obesity, and stress, they all go hand in hand. And we'll talk about why in a little bit. By the way, I want to emphasize that, you know, we always talk about eight hours of sleep for us. That's the number. But what a lot of people don't realize is that for your kids and teenagers, they need way more sleep than you do. For them, it's not eight hours. It's more like nine and a half to 10 hours. And that's all the way up into um, late teenage years. So to help you out in this area, 
even if you can't do everything perfectly at this time of year, especially, maybe some things on my list of 30 tips can help you out. And Emily has posted those in the chat box. Um, also, if you go to that website, you can print them out and feel free to do that. Now, before you roll your eyes and wonder why I'm not talking about stress yet, I want you to understand that a lot of the stress that we are enduring isn't coming from the traditional uh, external sources that you're probably thinking about. We immediately think of stress as being in our heads as a result of something that happened to us, right? But our bodies have to deal with all kinds of stress even before our minds are suffering. And we have stress coming at us from all different angles, like the lack of sleep, like unhealthy food that messes with our body functions, how we move, how we don't move, um, whether or not we're hydrated, so many things. And by the way, um, dehydration has symptoms very similar to sleep deprivation. So if you're getting those headaches and uh, low energy, fatigue, it, it could mean that you're just dehydrated. So activity. Maybe you've heard that sitting is the new smoking, right? We've all heard that. So try to come up with little things that you can do throughout your day to stay active. One suggestion that Emily had for those seasons when you're on the tractor all day is to just every hour get out, walk around the tractor a few times. It's not only good for keeping blood clots away, but um, it keeps your mind alert and safe. If you have any other suggestions that you'd like to share, feel free to put those in the chat box as well. And now I'm gonna turn it over to Emily to give you a quick shot of some more things that maybe you haven't considered cause stress on your body, but um, she sees a lot with farmers and ranchers out there having injuries and, and she knows what'll do it. So she'll offer you some ideas. Thank you, Susan. Um, so yeah, everyone, went, my, my main job with AgriAbility is to go out and find assistive technology for individuals with their disabilities or disabling health conditions so that they can overcome those injuries. Well, a lot of times we're seeing that they're because of reuse injuries. So if we can prevent these now and get them started earlier and earlier by creating good habits when we're just starting out in the farming and the ranching world, then we can maybe um, eliminate some injuries later on. Plus it also reduces the stress that your body has to go through. So some things that we see a lot of times are repetitive tasks like opening and closing gates that lead to shoulder injuries, um, severe arthritis, um, just overuse in general. So things like the specialized um, for your barbed wire fence gates, they have a crank or an actual handle lever which you can open and close so you no longer have to use a fence stretcher but it also reduces the stress on your shoulders when you're trying to pinch those gates together because we all know that we like our wires and our, and our pastures quite tight. In the bottom left-hand corner, we have the, the spring-loaded corral gate latch. And this is nice because it's easy open, but it also can be added with an extra spring and a rope. For so, so for individuals that have mobility limitations or or can't climb on and off a tractor or horse very easy, it can be added with a string to open and close on its own. So you can open it from where you're at and drive through and then it closes behind you. Um, we recommend a lot of gate wheels for individuals 
because it's a lot easier to push or pull the gate than having to pick it up and carry it. We all know that those gates in our cattle yards are quite heavy. So if we can reduce the amount that we're lifting because that puts strain on our backs, as well as our um, shoulders and arms, um, let's reduce those if we can. And the other picture at the very bottom right-hand corner, it's, all, it's called the bump and drive system. Um, it's nice, it's on a, it runs off of a solar panel and it's basically activated by you bumping into it with the front of your tractor or a side-by-side -side or a four-wheeler or even a vehicle and it closes right behind you and it will wait until your if you have a wagon or anything behind you as well it closes so again no in and out reducing some um, mobility issues next slide please um, one of the biggest things that we all know when we're taking care of cattle is that we, ha we have to do a lot of lifting, carrying, bending, and things like that. So if we're still a smaller sized operation and we have a, we, we're still using feed bags, so obviously we stack them on the ground, well you got to be able to get them up and off the ground. So if you already have back a back injury or um, you just have a troubles picking them up, I'm a, I'm a female and I like to say that I can do a lot of things, but they're still really heavy. So utilizing the, the scissors lift, um, and it's nice because it's just a crank up and down and it easily actuates, but you can make it the different heights. So ideally, if you needed to, you could put it then in the back of your side-by-side -side utility vehicle using that scissors lift. We, we do a lot of recommendations of the side-by-side -side for the mere fact that we know farmers and ranchers have a lot of places that they have to go, whether it's checking cattle on several pastures in the summertime or checking um, right now cow-calf, um, whether you're in the, still calving in the pastures or if you're in yards. So keeping yourself safe is something and the side-by-side -side helps us to do those things. Um, when we're running older manual cattle working shoots, we all know that we're up above our heads. Everything is using our shoulders above our heads. So we can recommend new specialized calving or, or cattle working shoots, whether it's a hydraulic shoot or even the newer um, shoots available have all easy catch systems and you're not as much leverage over top of your shoulders. Again, just trying to reduce the amount of um, strain we put on our, our shoulders. Next slide, please. Um, when we're transporting calves this time of the year, we know that we have to pick them up and carry them. And right now in Nebraska, since it's so wet, we have a lot of mud and muck depending on where you're at in the state. So dragging or trying to walk through um, all that with a calf on your shoulder can be tough. So these calf sleds are really great because they can be either pulled right behind a side-by-side -side or a four-wheeler or even bus behind you and you know that the mama is gonna follow easily. Um, when we talk about tractor seating and mirror systems, um, we wanna make sure that we're taking all the pressure off our spine. So by recommending a specialized suspension seat in tractors or putting it in there now, it's taking that jar off your spine so that when you're, not, you're you have more cushion and it's protecting you. When we recommend specialized mirror systems or even camera systems, it's to avoid you twisting and turning and wrecking that spine as well. Next slide, please. And then the, my biggest thing is when we climb on and off a tractor, a lot of the farms and ranches that I see have older style tractors. So they don't have the tractor step system that is pictured in the picture here. So we always recommend this system just be placed on all tractors that you have available. 
because at number one, it brings down your step a little bit lower. And you can also put a rubber lure at the bottom of that step as well. So if you're in um, fields with a lot of ruts and stuff, it bends and it doesn't break the bottom step off. But uh, we want to think about those hip motions, the knee motions. Obviously, with walking and stepping all the time in the tractors, um, it causes some havoc. So if we can eliminate those things, we can help you out. And then my next big pool is that I love daily stretching. I um, did uh, connect the brochure in the bottom in the chat. But every day, we have that um, stretching handout. And if you could do it for 15 minutes in the morning and 15 minutes at night, it really overall helps your health and well-being, but it helps your stress levels because you're taking care of your body, which means you have one less thing to stress about. You don't have to worry about your shoulder injuries, which takes off a lot of stress for you or your hips or knees or whatever. So make sure you print those. I always recommend even to our farmers, ranchers during busy seasons to have them in their vehicles because it's also a proven fact that by doing some stretches or getting out and doing a little exercises, wakes up your brain. So when we are in the busy seasons of either planting or harvest or calving, we know we're not getting the sleep that we need. So by utilizing the stretching systems or even just a little bit of exercise in our daily routine, we can overpower those things. Back to you, Susan. Thank you, Emily. So in summary, that key of taking care of yourself does not mean fit quick fixes. Um, we are unfortunately a reactive society, sometimes blaming the weather or other people or our occupation or our appetites or you know, an endless list of other things just to conveniently justify why we can't make changes. So those steps are never easy, but one baby step at a time is better than not stepping at all. So again, take care of yourself. We should count how many times we're saying this in our webinar, Emily. It's a lot. Take care of yourself first and foremost. So why did I take so many slides to finally start talking about the type of stress that you were probably thinking that I would talk about today? Uh, I just, I needed to drive home that point that it's definitely not just outside sources of stress that are causing issues. And that's a tough realization for many people who just think that stress is caused by things that happen to us, right? Um, it just couldn't be further from the truth. Oh, cortisol, cortisol does all of these necessary things for us. It also plays a big role in our body's stress response. So that function of cortisol is supposed to be quite short-lived and just long enough to deal with the offending stressor. However, when that stress becomes chronic or ongoing, this becomes a problem. And when your body is on high alert dealing with stress, cortisol can shut down functions like your digestive function, um, your metabolism, your um, just all kinds of systems that could go awry there. It becomes the enemy, basically. And by the way, remember that obesity map that I talked about earlier? Because cortisol regulates our metabolism and food cravings, um, ongoing stress creates more cortisol that makes you crave the fattening foods. So it becomes this vicious cycle of lack of sleep, higher stress, and uh, absolutely cortisol changing your metabolism and food cravings, leading you to, to weight gain and more stress on your body. So it's a pretty good incentive to try to lower that stress level. So the definition of stress, 
and need or demand people confront that is perceived as burdensome, threatening, and can lead to physical or mental health problems. Absolutely. You notice I put the word perceived in italics there because we each perceive things so differently. What freaks me, me out may not freak you out at all. And stress is different than anxiety because those who have anxiety issues are planning ahead for something that hasn't happened yet. And, um, but when you experience stress, it's right there. And some of you have had a, a really cruddy year of financial problems, disasters, maybe other major stressors. That is definitely stressful. And it's likely that you have an excess of cortisol flowing in your blood as we speak, especially now during the anniversary week of, of flooding and during this crazy COVID-19 outbreak. So I want you to look at this chart. I love this chart. This is originally from Colorado State University Extension, and I've added a few more things to fill it out. Um, it shows that we all react to stress differently. So which columns are you? If I had you all in a room, I'd put you in small groups to compare. And I can tell you um, from all the times we've done this that none of you would be exactly the same. If you circled each of these things that apply to you, you it would not compare um, to anyone else. So think about someone you know who exhibits some of these symptoms on this list. Did you realize that maybe they're acting these, these ways because they're experiencing stress? And maybe consider a family member or someone you work with. Um, just because you might be in the emotional column doesn't mean everyone is. So the point of this exercise is to think about the people that you love or the people that you work with, people that you know, who might be exhibiting traits like this, and maybe you've overlooked them because that's not how you react to stress, but everyone is different. So just keep that in mind. And just be kind because you never know when, when others are slacking or bitter or angry or emotional or something that you're not when you're stressed, perhaps they are just struggling with something. Sad, Nebraska winter blues. So women are more likely to experience this issue, but it can happen to anyone. And I could go into scientific reasons for why it happens, but instead I will tell you that it is very real. It's not your imagination. And you do possibly get grumpier in the winter. Um, it's absolutely treatable with fixes like phototherapy light, um, taking vitamin D3 to replace that missing sunlight, or it might need some depression medication and psychological help. Um, that could absolutely be the truth, but please just talk to your family doctor about it because it could be a very simple fix, and then you could get back to not needing medication in the summer. And rest assured, your doctor has heard of this before many times. You're not the first person to walk through the door with this. So no hesitation, no stigma, just talk about it. Maybe you're a caregiver who takes care of everyone else or your livestock and, and you absorb all of their problems. We see that a lot in, in my line of work, actually. A lot of extension folks are out there dealing with everyone else's stressors. But when you're exerting all your efforts to keep others healthy, and happy, you're, you're putting your own self-care on the back burner. So remember the main point of this entire webinar, what is it, Emily? Take care of yourself first, or at least start with baby steps and take care of yourself equally as you do take care of others. 
So research has shown that as humans, we're capable of handling two major stressors in our lives at a time. And by a major stressor, I'm talking about a death in the family, um, a divorce, maybe you're moving, maybe you had a baby, um, but it's when that third stressor is introduced into your life that you're more apt to just crack. And that chronic stress takes us beyond a tolerable and manageable level. And that's potentially when our bodies tell us it's just too much, both mentally and physically. But how we react to stress depends more on which part of the brain we use. So if someone is using more of the frontal lobe of their brain, they're making lists, they're problem solving, they're creating solutions, they're rolling with it and just accepting the things they can't change. If someone is using more of the emotional part of their brain, they find it difficult to be objective and they can't see the facts. They might seem irrational. They're probably ruminating about things that they have no control over. So think about the reactions that you have experienced yourself. Were any of them emotionally charged? And I have thought back over the years and I can think of one specifically that was very emotionally charged. And now that you look at that, did it simmer after time? And do you look back at it and go, wow, why did I act that way? Probably because you, you were having an emotional amygdala reaction here. So the goal is to try to see the stress, but don't become the stress. Or put differently, maybe now that you know what you look like when you're stressed based on what you saw on that column, try recognizing that right when it starts happening and remove yourself from your own brain for a second and just try to see the situation in a new, new way with new responses um, than you've had in the past. And if you practice enough, maybe you can even start to see some bright sides in every situation. So it's all about attitude. And maybe you've heard the saying that life is 10% what happens to us and 90% how we react to it. I love that one. My other favorite one, since I was a teenager is worrying is like rocking in a rocking chair. It gives us something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. So we need to realize that we simply can't be in control of some things. So why get worked up? And thinking back on this past year as the flooding anniversary hits, um, try focusing on accomplishments rather than beating yourself up over failures or trauma. And surely you can find some achievements and small recoveries and things to celebrate. Um, we just, we react to situations of the day and it can help to plan ahead and be proactively prepared for those situations, especially if you've lived through them once before. So here's a thought. Think about that thing that's really stressing you right now. There has to be one thing that's causing you stress. Hopefully not, but probably. So what if you imagine that you could see that fear in front of you and you could reach out and grab it and mash it up with your hands so it becomes something entirely different and you put it back out there and you see it as a challenge and what if you reached out and grabbed that that feeling of hopelessness and you mash it into say opportunity and just recreate everything that's already in your head into something different how would you approach it differently if you could do that maybe it could give you a little bit more control. And for responses, positive talk is magical because you know how it feels um, when someone gives you a compliment or pumps you up with some positive talk. It helps a lot, right? So why not do that for yourself? 
Would you ever say to your friend, you idiot, I can't believe you did that. What the heck were you thinking? Hopefully you said no to that. But my point is that we would never sound that horrible to others. So why allow ourselves to talk that way internally? Just be nice to yourself, talk to yourself as you talk to others. And we've already talked about those self-care priorities. And for those last responses, um, just don't work too overly hard and schedule time for you to do what you want to do and know when to say, you know, thanks for thinking of me, but I think I'll pass this time when someone asks you to add one more thing to your workload. So what do you recommend for coping? If you have any thoughts on that, go ahead and type them in the chat box. Um, some of these are our favorites. Of course, we already talked about sleep and activity. Getting outdoors is good, nutrition. Um, box breathing, if you've never heard of box breathing, that means that you are counting to four every time you breathe in, you hold it, breathe out, and hold it. Of course, it's a lot slower than that, but one, two, three, four, hold it. And so this is not like voodoo-y stuff. This is not crazy talk. This is science. It actually physically calms your body. And it can even help too if you say inhale counting to five and exhale counting to seven. As long as you're exhaling longer than you're inhaling, that promotes relaxation. The opposite of that will do the opposite. It will pump you up. Um, so that's just something to consider starting to do. We talked about self-talk, meditating. I don't do that personally, but I know people who are starting to try it using an app and they say it's, it's fabulous. Music can be great. Watch less news and more uplifting movies. Oh my gosh, the news right now is just so depressing. I, I can't even turn it on anymore. So just try to keep your, give yourself a little media diet, if you will. Connecting with people in your social network and, and avoiding negative people is really important. We can't really do it physically now because we're supposed to be self-isolating. However, there is Skype, there is FaceTime, there are phone calls, texting, just keeping in touch with people now uh, is, is really recommended. Of course, talking to a mental health professional, taking time for yourself to, to pick up hobbies that you used to love, um, spending time with people and pets you love, Shift from worrying to problem solving. Again, you, when you can't do something about a situation, um, just kick yourself into gear to, to do something um, that's productive. Get organized, declutter your space, plan ahead. I know several of us in Extension are gonna spend the next month and a half doing that because we're, we're not out doing our face-to-face -face teaching in this COVID virus um, time. And give, give yourself, give your, your time to your community and your neighbors and your friends, and maybe even do random acts of kindness. You know how those make you feel good, so why not do them for others? Okay, this one I just had to throw in there because I grew up with a dad who told puns all the time, and this one made me chuckle. I love it. Positive thinking. Okay, signs of sonic, sonic? signs of chronic stress. Um, Isolation from public and no socializing is a big one. And unfortunately, that's, that's our new normal right now. Um, so this could cause more stress. Loss of interest in things that you used to enjoy. That's a big one. Trouble making decisions, having forgetfulness. And I, I know personally, tunnel vision is a big one. When I'm stressed, um, you just have a really hard time seeing anything other than what you're stressing about. 
negative thinking and talking and loss of sense of humor, we mentioned that. Increased drinking or drug use, you might want to um, just pay attention to that. And no desire to exercise, especially in the winter, that's hard, I know. Um, and sometimes you just get to having poor hygiene because you just don't care anymore. And also um, health issues, because as we know, stress manifests itself physically. So approaching someone who has chronic stress, I'm going to share with you a video that explains this better than I could. This is a great video. Let's see, first I have to go in and share this screen. Don't forget to share your sound. Share, share the sound, thank you. Of course, now it won't let me back in there. Let me get back out. I'll get it, I promise I will. Okay, it is clicked, share sound. So what is empathy and why is it very different than sympathy? Empathy? fuels connection, sympathy drives disconnection. Empathy, it's a, it, very interesting. Teresa Wiseman is a nursing scholar who studied professions, very diverse professions where empathy is relevant and came up with four qualities of empathy. Perspective taking, the ability to take the perspective of another person or, or recognize their perspective as their truth. Staying out of judgment, not easy when you enjoy it as much as most of us do. <laughs> Recognizing emotion in other people and then communicating that. Empathy is feeling with people. And to me, I always think of empathy as this kind of sacred space when someone's kind of in a deep hole and they shout out from the bottom and they say, I'm stuck, it's dark, I'm overwhelmed. And then we look and we say, hey, and climb down. I know what it's like down here. And you're not alone. Sympathy is... It's bad, uh-huh. Uh, no. You want a sandwich? Um, empathy is a choice, and it's a vulnerable choice, because in order to connect with you, I have to connect with something in myself that knows that feeling. Rarely, if ever, does an empathic response begin with at least. I had a, yeah. And we do it all the time. Because you know what? Someone just shared something with us that's incredibly painful, and we're trying to silver lining it. I don't think that's a verb, but I'm using it as one. We're trying to put the silver lining around it. So I had a miscarriage. Oh, at least you know you can get pregnant. I think my marriage is falling apart. At least you have a marriage. <laughs> John's getting kicked out of school. At least Sarah is an A student. But one of the things we do sometimes in the face of very difficult conversations is we try to make things better. If I share something with you that's very difficult, I'd rather you say, I don't even know what to say right now, I'm just so glad you told me. Because the truth is, rarely can a response make something better. What makes something better is connection.
thought of that one. So how many of you are guilty of saying, well, at least blah, blah, blah. I know I was before. Uh, let me get rid of this. Sorry, I can't talk and do this at the same time. There we go. Are you seeing the Seeing it okay, Emily? Yep. Okay, good. So something to, re to reconsider if you're saying at least this, at least that. Um, I think she has a great point about listening. So when you're, when you're approaching people who are having issues like that, your job is to listen. But first, pay attention to what kind of listener you are. It's very possible that your listening styles can vary depending on who you're talking to. Maybe you are an attentive listener at work, but around family you become more selective or even worse, one of those pretending kind of like, uh-huh, yeah, sure, mm -hmm, when you're not listening to a thing that they're saying. Um, most people do not listen with the intent to understand. They listen with the intent to reply, according to Stephen Covey. And think about it. Right now, you're probably half listening to me, half thinking about something else or working on something on your computer. And if you were having a conversation, you would kind of be doing the same thing, typically um, being distracted because you're busy forming that response in your head while the other person talks. So if you, you can get past that level three and on to level four, where you're paying attention and focusing your energy on what that person is saying, that is a great start. And of course, the ultimate goal is to hit that uh, empathic listening level where instead of projecting your own feelings and assumptions, you're dealing with the reality that's actually in that other person's head and you're listening to understand. But it doesn't come easy. So practice it. Practice, practice, practice. Other tips there are to, to help that person see the facts because they are emotionally charged and not thinking clearly. Use a pleasant tone of voice, ask open-ended questions. And should you tell that person what the solution is? Absolutely not. They just need someone to help them see the facts with better clarity. So use that restating, summarizing, um, those kinds of techniques. And very importantly, follow up. You know how much it means when you're going through something and someone else just checks up on you to see how you're doing. So it's highly recommended, even if it's a text or two after your conversation, at least it shows that you care. So these are the sobering facts about suicide in Nebraska. I think these are surprising to a lot of people, especially that last one. Um, it's more common than you think, and it's something that we have to consider as we're talking to people and seeing what kinds of signs they're exhibiting. So when someone is seriously distressed, they might show um, signs and they might not. You know, we can't feel guilty if, if they don't and we didn't catch it, but sometimes um, these can happen. They might start writing or talking about suicide, sometimes in a coded way. Um, they could be saying something like, hey, what would you do with my life insurance if I died? You know, that's kind of coded, but still mentioning it. Uh, they could be misusing alcohol and drugs more. They could be giving away prized possessions, isolating themselves from others. Again, this, this month, um, we have to, uh, but they could be feeling like a burden or hopeless and trapped. 
they could be making a plan and maybe buying a pistol when they've never owned a pistol in their lives. They could be saying goodbyes, writing letters, um, apologizing to people for things that have wronged them in the past. And they could have a loss of interest in life in general. The mood change is pretty obvious. Um, even a posture change, you know, someone who used to walk very straight up and down and walk in like they own the place, they're suddenly slouched and just um, moody. So two things to remember. First, choose your words wisely if you're going to approach someone who you think might be thinking about suicide. We don't use the words commit suicide or successful suicide. We say these six words. Um, so memorize these, write them down, do whatever it takes to just plant them in your brain. So, and I have to always sort of say this, no matter what your personal or religious beliefs are about suicide, you, in this case, you need to be non-judgmental. You need to watch your tone of voice. For instance, if someone is exhibiting some of those symptoms that we talked about, you shouldn't be saying, you're not thinking of killing yourself, are you? Because would you open up to a person if you were considering suicide and they acted like that towards you? No, absolutely not. So, um, yeah, tone of voice is, is very important. And um, making someone feel guilty or trying to convince them that what they're thinking about is crazy is not helpful either. Your job, you know, we're not trying to make you counselors, but your job is to just offer them hope and focus on assisting them and finding help. And we're gonna offer all kinds of um, resources after this, but practice those words. Are you having thoughts of suicide? And don't ask things like, are you thinking about hurting yourself? Because their very truthful and logical answer will be no, because they're not thinking of hurting themselves. They're thinking of, of killing themselves. So, Practice, practice, practice. Those words, um, I've used this twice since I learned them um, a little over a year ago, and I was very glad both times that I did. It opened up a great conversation. Asking them does not plant the idea. You know, we get asked that question a lot, and it absolutely does not. Um, if you've never heard the Kevin Hines story, and I put his name on there so you know how to Google it, I would, I would um, suggest that you Google that story. He was one of thousands of people who jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge, but he actually survived. He and at that point, I think only 18 other people had survived. And the point of his story is that had someone just asked, this wouldn't have happened. He gave plenty of opportunity for people to ask. Um, and he made a pact with himself. And he said a lot of people do that, that if someone will just ask, they don't follow through. So what if they say yes? That's the scary part, right? Um, first, never promise to keep a suicide plan a secret and never leave that person alone. Super important. Ask if they have a plan and if the answer is yes, make sure they're in a safe environment. Find someone like a counselor, a hospital social worker, um, even offer to call the National Suicide Hotline with them. And of course, if it escalates out of control, then it would be important to bring in police. But Suicide Prevention Lifeline is there 24 seven. It's free, it's confidential. These people know how to talk to other people. So if, if you're in a conversation and you don't know what to say, and you don't know what to do, um, this is a great number to call. This one is great for Nebraska. 
when a Nebraska farmer or rancher or rural person calls this line, uh, they have experienced staff members who can refer to attorneys, financial counselors, clergy, other farmers, mediators. These guys deal with any problem that you could possibly have. And there are these no-cost vouchers available. I believe they can give out five per person um, for information on confidential mental health issues and, and other things. Iowa has a similar one. If we have anybody from Iowa online, it's called Iowa Concern. Um, Kansas I, has a mediation hotline, and that could be something that you could Google. But this is a, a great resource for Nebraska. We really try to promote this one because they do understand Nebraskans. This resource is a gem, LOSS, Local Outreach to Suicide Survivors. Um, the, these people are trained professionals who volunteer to go out and give support to those survivors, those family members who um, are left after their loved one has taken their own life. And you can see they're all over the state now that they began in Lincoln, but they are still expanding, obviously. Um, and neighboring states are working on doing the same thing. They're, they're kind of following Nebraska's lead. So this is a great resource if you've already experienced a suicide. Um, and the sooner these people can talk to you, the better. Negotiations hotline is great for mediation. It focuses on resolving conflict between two parties. And the mediator does not decide the issues, but it encourages them to communicate and negotiate in hopes of coming to a mutually acceptable solution. There is a fee for that part of their services, but they do also offer free ag-related education on different matters. So the Department of Health and Human Services has all these regions. And if you look on this map, you can see where your region is. And then I would encourage you to look at the, the names up above there um, in region three, four, five, and six. If you are in those regions, they currently have grant projects going on where they are offering free one-on-one -on -one discussions or group discussions. Of course, now with the virus, it would be probably more one-on-one. -on -one. They will come to you for free and help you with, with any kind of uh, mental health issue or stress issue. Um, anything that you're dealing with. However, I want to say their grant expires the end of May. So this is not something to wait around on. Uh, get a hold of them. They have, they have this time. They have the, the funding to do it, the willingness to do it. They want to help you. So let them know. And I think, Emily, you're putting that one in the chat box too, yep, right? I got there. Yep, they're all listed yep. there. Good deal. Extension resources, we just try to gather up all these things. Um, we created this sheet that can be printed at ruralwellness.unl.edu. It has a lot of good resources on it. We also have that wallet card, which is great. I can get those to you if you let me know. It has you know, those three um, hotlines on it that can be very beneficial. And the reason I love that wallet card is because they're discreet. You can put it in your wallet. Nobody knows you have it. You could pull it out and use it at some point, or if you're talking with a friend, like we were discussing earlier, and you don't know what to say and you don't know what to do, at least you have this card and you can get them the right number right away and you can be a great resource for them. These are our uh, Nebraska Extension Ag Economic Educators. They can help with all kinds of financial matters and they have programs going on all the time. 
um, some good stuff that they can offer for you. And you can just go to extension.unl.edu to find anybody in our organization. So now, after all of this, I want you to look back at what you wrote down for your perfect day and write down what you choose to do as one step toward that day. Maybe tomorrow you could add something different. Maybe in a week you'd add something else and just keep going with it. Remember, it's baby steps and baby steps can be difficult, but nothing is too small to start. Just the tiniest thing can help. And I just want to emphasize that we can expect to be happy if we approach life with this, I'll be happy when such and such happens kind of attitude. No, you'll be happy when you seek it out and when you make your way toward it. And hopefully using some of the information that you learned today and maybe even talking to someone about your mental health. Because remember, mental health, those aren't bad words. Those are good words. They're not scary words. We all have mental health just like we have physical health. And we care about you, our partners care about you. Obviously the Nebraska Cattlemen Association cares about you and Allflex cares about you. So thanks for taking the time today. And um, we hope that you will click on the evaluation link in the chat box to complete it and let us know what you think. We always like to know um, how we can help you and if we made any sort of impact for you. Also, I'll leave our contact information up there so you can contact me with uh, any questions or to get you some of those wallet cards and you can contact Emily um, if you've experienced some kind of a uh, an injury or something that has caused stress in your life and she can help you get back to work. Even if you guys are looking for different pieces of assistive technology to overcome some limitations or just so that you don't have an accident on the farm, feel free to reach out and I can assist you in finding something for your operation. Um, so Susan, uh, Carter Farms would like to know if the slideshow will be available at any point. Yes, in a few hours, they will have it on the uh, NebraskaCattlemen.org website. They just have to wait for it to do what it does and then they will post it. I think the recording will be as well. Yes, oh, was that not the question? Well, just the PowerPoint, but. Oh, okay, the PowerPoint. Yeah, so the recording will be, I'm sorry, I was thinking of the recording, but the PowerPoint, yes, I could send that to Bonita and she could probably post that as well. Any other questions out there? I'd be happy to answer any. What is the suggestion to overcome isolation during these times of being isolated? Well, the, these things are great for something, right? Um, absolutely, Skype and FaceTime are the next best thing to being there. Um, gosh, other suggestions. You know, being outside, is totally okay. Once the weather is a little bit nicer, even now when it's this cold and yucky, I go out and take a walk every single day. If you can get yourself outside and you can be, you can be chatting with people outside, stay that six feet away. Um, right now they're, they're saying it's safe to be outside um, as long as you're not breathing each other's air. And um, you know, it's, it is a difficult time. We, we can't get together 
in groups anymore and that's tough and and this is also new to me i'm i'm racking my brain too like how can we have less isolation if anyone has any ideas feel free to throw them in the chat box something that me and some friends have been doing is um we have apps you know such as facebook you have you have twitter you have um instagram we have snapchat things like that but um we have been using the Snapchat has like a FaceTime video. So it's kind of fun. You can do different filters, but it's a way to get in connection with one another, but it also makes you laugh because you're doing fun filters and you're kind of taking away the stress that all the COVID-19 is kind of having on a person right now. But that's one of our things. And you, Rod and I discussed this morning that for farm visits, we may just be doing a lot of face-to-face -face FaceTiming or Zooming or anything like that, creating these, get-togethers because if you can still see someone's face it feels better than talking just to no one so mm -hmm. I know on Facebook they do have um, interest groups that you can join um, email is great you know if you just make an effort every day to call someone call a friend call a new relative that you haven't talked to for two months and then the next day call another relative you haven't talked to it can be great it can it can be a great way to reconnect I know Emily just sent me a couple jokes this morning to kind of lighten my mood and it helped a lot. <laughs> if you follow the Nebraska Facebook, Nebraska Agribility Facebook page, we have a fun, fun farm, funny farmer Friday joke every Friday. So those are they're fairly corny, but they're always good for a good laugh. Mm -hmm. Anything else? Wow, we kept it under the hour. I'm so proud. We were a little worried. <laughs> All right. Well, if there's nothing else. Thank we, you, everyone. We appreciate yeah. you taking the time to listen. We do.